0: So hello everyone, and welcome to the Oncologist Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Shivam Pandya, and today we meet my senior from uh, Medical College, sports aficionado, and surgical oncologist, Dr. Aditya Joshipura. Sir, welcome to the podcast. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks a lot. So, sir, uh, first of all, uh, tell, uh, tell us all a bit about yourself.
1: Okay, so I'm uh, Aditya Joshipura. I'm a part-time head and neck surgical oncologist. uh, Full-time parent, I guess. And uh, yeah, as you said, a sports aficionado. I'm practicing in HCG Cancer Center as a head and neck surgical oncologist. But uh, I hope my identity by the time I'm done with my life is known by a little more than that. So, yeah, that's it.
0: Definitely, sir. That's we all hope mean. that we we become much more than what we work. Definitely, definitely. That's true. So, sir, first of all, uh, we'll start from the beginning. Why choose uh, medical okay. field?
1: Okay, so uh, I, I'll just tell you in, in a little detail. So I just saw this Rahul Gandhi interview taken by Arnav Goswami. I think that was a very famous interview where he just kept... Going round and round, round and round. I just hoped to avoid doing that. But uh, <laughs> since you asked me to go right from the beginning, so I'll just say that it was kind of a default option. See, at the mm-hmm. heart of it, I'm a small towner. I belong to Nadia, which is kind of like really small town. It's got just like one English medium school and all. So mm-hmm. for me, with my dad being an ophthalmologist, it was kind of a default option. The and and again being a 90s kid. It was almost like if you get good, much you're supposed to go into medicine, and uh, it was a default option. Peer pressures (laughs) are income high. (laughs) Too much, too much. Actually, there were, I mean, I don't want to be immodest, but there are not too many peers. If you are even half good in small small towns, you kind of shine out. You know, there's not much competition. Yes, I was lucky that way, and uh, my parents gave me all the resources that they could, so I was kind of lucky to end up where I ended up and, and thankfully I ended up in probably the best medical college that one could think of. I'm sure you will agree to that.
0: Definitely, definitely. I'll, I'll definitely agree with that. Yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: So, sir, from okay. medical to oncology, I mean, what drew you to cancer?
1: Okay, so it's an interesting story again. Uh, so I was doing my MS. I just passed my MS and I was giving a farewell party to my units that included my seniors. One of my seniors had taken up Onco. He was a first-year oncologist in, okay. in CRI. So, uh, when I threw the party, the party was supposed to start at 8 p.m. He turned up at 7.45. <laughs> and I asked him, man, you are a first-year resident doing an MCH in oncology. How can you be so free? So, he told me that, you know, that's what it is. The institute that I work, shuts shop at 5 p.m. And you know that, right? And so I told him that what did he do before 5 p.m. So he said that I did a commander independently, I did an MRM independently, and now I'm free. So I was like, I really need to do this. (laughs) I really, really need to do this. All through my life, I had dreamt of a life where, you know, my work would be concentrated to some hours a day, and then I could have some time for myself. All the time, of course, not compromising on the quality, but uh, as I said earlier, uh, i am not a full time uh, doctor to be very honest so i needed some time with myself and strangely that is what you know attracted me to the brand the most that you get all this kind of work you get trained in the best place that you can and yet you have so much time to yourself you know, that's that's something that every must one everyone must pursue it's yes. kind of an awkward statement to make but i don't want to be cliche in saying that you know i had a relative who had cancer and it drew me to it because that's really not my story. <laughs> there are people who do that, but it's not been me. So so and, and not one day since I've taken that up, I've regretted it to be very honest. Okay. So yeah, going on, this is my eighth year in cancer and touch wood, you know. I've been absolutely blessed and I got what I wanted and a hell lot more from the branch, definitely.
0: That's that's really that's really inspiring and really good to know, sir. Uh, mm, sir I mean in in your view what is the biggest challenge for an indian doctor uh, in private as well as government settings since you have worked in both uh, so yeah. what is the biggest so, challenge for the young doctor who is going through the process
1: so the first challenge that a young doctor has to face is making a decision that's the biggest challenge to start off his career whether you go for money whether you go for you know excellence whether you go for something else that is the biggest challenge to make so i just i just have this thing to say that to face those challenges just give yourself some time you know you've trained yourself so hard that you feel that you you know you should be starting to earn money respect everything but uh, that is something that i learned the biggest challenge is giving yourself time so if you take different aspects now in government setup what happens is that uh, you know you are not pushed to be very honest you are not pushed to test your skills periodic checks of excellence etc so there is a chance that you might stagnate a bit and that is something that i saw in my time in government institute maybe it was not the institute's fault it was me but uh, that is what i definitely saw that there is a tendency to stagnate because eventually uh, you are going to become an ap then an associate then a professor regardless of how well or poorly you are doing right yeah true so that is one thing that i definitely seen so it's up to you to make a difference in the government setup it's not something that is the need of the art uh, coming to the private side of the challenge is completely changed. I mean, you are absolutely forced to reinvent yourself every time. You need to be a good marketer. That is a big challenge. It doesn't matter how well you are doing, but if people don't know about it, it's almost as good as not having that. That is that is something and which is not
0: taught to us, I guess, in medical school exactly. or even residency. In
1: in medical school, particularly in our region, Western India, I would say yeah. that the focus is merely on. I mean, it's not merely it's on skill acquisition. Uh, so, it, it's not a small thing. It's a major thing of uh, you know, practice. So, that's definitely mm-hmm. there. And uh, the other thing is to keep your ethics in place. Now, that is the biggest challenge that probably a doctor faces. Uh, yes. You know, in private setups, the honey traps are so so well laid out everywhere. You'll get some pathologist who will say that I'll give you this much. Some radiologist who will say I'll give you this. Much. Some general physician who will ask something of you. So, you know, reading through those, it's an individual thing. And again, I don't judge people who go into those kind of practices. That's fine. That's what suits them. But, you know, it's a challenge to make a decision either way, to go for it or not to go for it.
0: Yes, because so, sometimes it might happen yeah. that if you refuse, it might end up offending the other guy. And then exactly. it might have an it adverse a, effect might...
1: the other way around you. So, yeah, so you might come across as this snobbish guy, and you know, yeah. all you know, too uptight and this and that. So exactly playing the game while not really playing it is a challenge in private sectors. While in government, as I said, avoiding stagnation is a huge challenge.
0: Oh, yes, very, yeah. very, 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 very well sir. Uh, and talking of yeah. playing the game, uh, sir, I mean, I know that how much you are passionate about cricket. So let's talk a bit on that. Uh, oh, so. Lovely. Your favorite cricketer? You can name more than one.
1: Okay, okay, that puts me in a bit of a pickle. But I'm going to say straight from the heart. I'll pick Eras from where you know. I mean, yeah. I, 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 I want to say. We are, say that we are going to talk,
0: We is. are going to talk about Eras, sir, in in our next questions. Okay. But yeah, please.
1: You want the currently playing cricketers lot, or you know, just no, no. Anybody. You can go but on. I, you can
0: name. You can name more than one. Yeah. And what, what, what is the biggest
1: okay. quality you like in them? okay so uh, i consider myself to be a bit of cricket historian because there have been like the number of hours i spent on cricket for sites on stats guru on reading numerous articles it's it's considered to be such a waste of graces by so many people including some of my family members but you know i, I know i'm richer for it so I'll, I'll just start from the era that i really you know tuned into cricket in the sense uh, in the era before i was born just before i was born there's got to be sunny davastan for sure Yes. I mean, the achievements of that man, regardless of how poor a commentator he may be, but uh, he taught us to, you know, stand up to the world with his records, the 13th centuries against West Indies, including so many at their home, on his debut. And so those are the records that are going to stand a test of time in any situation. And, and that was the era of that, the
0: fearsome West Indies bowling and no absolutely, helmets.
1: Absolutely. No helmets. So he, he even wore a skull cap only in the last three years of his career. So yeah. to do that, and the, th- the fact that Indian cricket was almost nowhere before he came, so he just put us on the map that way. So, so he's the, like the the first samurai kind of a thing, if you may say <laughs> so. So I, I really love listening to his achievement and listening about the times that he's played in. There's so many deadly characters. He has got eight centuries against Australia too, which are the second best team at that time. So I mean, 21 out of his 34 hundreds were against top quality attacks, bowlings, and everything so that guy uh, coming to the era that i started watching and following cricket that's like early to mid 90s up to 2010s and i'm sorry if i ruffle feathers but it's got to be rahul dravid uh, i knew it <laughs> it's i mean i'm the biggest sachin fan that's ever been there don't take that away from me but i mean rahul dravid all the way for me any day okay. and and really, I don't need to say anything more about him because he is what he is. Like his round yes. round. So. He, was, he
0: was the purest <laughs> he,
1: player. He was the purest player and he would like put himself on the line for the team for any causes. And you know, com- put comparatively against any player of his era, the fact that he managed so many important match-winning overseas innings, in an yes. era where overseas winning was very tough. He has yes, got yes. winning double-hundreds cool. in Australia. Drawing in England with double hundreds, Pakistan within double hundreds. So, that, yeah, so, and <coughs> countless other match saving efforts too. So, uh, okay, let me put it this way uh, in an era that had Tendulkar, Ponting, Lara, he was the best batsman in the world from 2000 to 2005. Now, that itself is a huge achievement. A huge achievement. When you had so many guys around to be number one in that time, that's phenomenal. and. And, and obviously, his talks have risen since his retirement, which is again an achievement for someone so great, who was already so highly revered in his time, to be even better as a coach. That's fantastic. So, yeah, So that is that. In the current lot, uh, again, I'm sorry, but it's Virat Kohli, always. Uh, <laughs> as, I, mean, I love the guy. I'm unapologetically just in love with the guy. So, I know he's got his issues, he's got his problems, but man, what a player he is. He, so, he's,
0: a, he's a pleasing side to watch.
1: Absolutely. He, he's a pleasant side to watch and also a pleasant side to see in the field if you are playing in Australia. So, yeah. I, I just love watching him go about it. So, that's that. I mean, I know there are tactical issues, this, that, and he may not be a, a great captain, according to a lot of people. Is that? And I'm not going to dispute that thing. But I just love to watch the game when he's playing. I think that's more important. You know, you just true, want true. to see the game. You you love so, to watch
0: him play the way he hits the you shots. Love to it watch, brilliant.
1: Yeah. Even that man, you love to just watch the setting when he's around. You know, when he's in the field, mm-hmm. you just want the team to you know just play this and that. And the opponents react. It's always about him, basically. You know, even the you can see the Australian media full of news about Foley, positive, negative, this, that. I have never seen any sports person gain so much attention and yeah, so much true, true. almost love from the Australian media. They are usually after a blood. But mm-hmm. these guys, Alan is saying that we would have wanted his kid to be born in Australia so that we could call him an Australian citizen, this and that. That's mm-hmm. like that's high phase. Very true. So uh, coming from yeah, so that's I mean, there are a lot of names that I can pick, but on top,
0: top these. So, sir, uh, uh slight another controversial question. T twenty or ODI? Uh, which is the format you think is better? Because see, test cricket is definitely it is at the top. It is the purest form of cricket, what I feel. Uh T twenty or ODI? Because some of the people are saying that you know ODI is now ODI. Is like, like Mondays 17. are losing their relevance. Their yeah,
1: yeah. Okay, So, uh, if the ODIs are going to be a board fest, then definitely T20. Most of the ODIs these days have become this null-drab, dull, dull, meaningless contest. And for that to be sitting eight hours to, from morning till evening just to watch a, 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 a one-sided ODI played out is, is a tough challenge for the spectators and for everyone. Yeah. So, in that sense, T20 keeps teams closer. Unless like you are really, really good at it. It, it just keeps teams closer and it makes for more fun viewing, of course. There's no doubt about that.
0: It is more As a fun purist, of it,
1: course, it, it, absolutely, 100%. It's just that, you know, if it's a close ODI, then it's got more twists and turns over a longer period. It's like this whole orchestra thing versus the whole mm-hmm. jazz rock know, yeah. thing, but that's fine. You know, I know spectators are there for entertainment even, and even we want a relaxing match at the end of a tough day. So, hmm. I, I totally am yeah. behind 2020 as a mode of entertainment and also it's given opportunity to so many players. You know, it's more like this elitist argument, you know, that um, if you are not really, really good, you are not able to play ODIs or test matches. But this exactly. provides a window of opportunity for those lessons and it's, it's a good like thing. Every, every format has, has its own, own challenges, challenges, in a way. Yeah. It, it has, it has, but I can understand if ODIs are losing the relevance in the current era because it's tough watching unless you are really tuned into it. Okay. Yeah. Well, eight hours is so now, it is unthinkable
0: to sit from morning evening. And,
1: and honestly, if I had to watch eight, yeah, if I had to watch eight hours of play, I'd rather watch the test match. Why not? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Very true. And if I'm going to watch like, if I'm going to watch like a 154 run victory for some team, over eight hours, then <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense to be tuning in for the whole day. <laughs> okay.
0: okay, so uh, now let's go to a little bit of controversy. Who is the better captain out of Dada, Dhoni, and Kohli? If you have to pick one guy, Dada, Soro, Soro Ganguni, on heart, Dada. Dhoni, Kohli. <laughs>
1: yes, Dada, hand on heart, Dada. Absolutely <laughs> without a shadow of doubt, Dada. See, sure. the thing is, what you look in the captain is two things. One, how much he's won. And the other thing is, what is the legacy that he's left behind. Yes. Right. And there's unquestionable legacy left behind by Ganguly in terms of you know giving the players Seva, Karbadan, Zaheer, Yuvraj, kef You name so many. And those were groomed under that. Even Dhoni himself was first given chance by Dada. You know, actually not the, to say that Dhoni would have made it under...
0: Yes, sir. I mean, the the 2011 World Cup winning team, the the whole
1: nucleus was
0: that which was found by Dada. It was, it was Dada.
1: It was Dada. It was absolutely Dada. So the thing is, we are lucky to have kind of a progression in terms of you know Dada at first, and then Dhoni. He gave the calm touch that was necessary to the team and to you know make them work under pressure situations in limited overs matches. But it's a legacy, you know, Ganguly captain for five six years and. Uh, I don't remember him losing too many test matches or you know, things becoming really horrible towards the end of his captaincy. While in Dhoni, after the 2009 World Cup, man, it was painful. 4-0 after 4-0 everywhere we went. Australia, England, it was I, You You name the country, so his captaincy record in some last 20 overseas matches is some 118. Or something like that. It's one out of twenty matches is won, or something like that. So it was such a painful watch for a purist like me. And every every single session, every single match, conceding over 600 runs, getting rolled over 200 is that. I mean, you might say the team is, you know, the captain is as good as a team. I agree with that. But then that should hold true for World Cup wins also, right?
0: Right, very true.
1: So, I I mean, I've got a huge bias against Dhoni, so don't consider my views to be absolutely (laughs) pure on that, and I fully agree with that. But uh, yes, so Ganguly, uh, having given so many amazing players to us, and uh, then I I love Kohli for the change that he's brought to the Indian cricket. In terms of, I, I mean, he's whimsical, yes, but. Uh, you know, he's got his ideas, and that's the, the onus on fitness that's there these days. You know, you can see all Indian players, and they are up there with the best in the world in terms of fitness. The man himself is so amazingly fit. Yes, and and he's given a fast bowling machine. You know, the, all three players, all three fast bowlers, bowling more than 145 kilometers per hour. When did that happen ever in Indian cricket? And we've got like three or four more coming up in the ranks it's a revolution that the man has started with greater fitness and so uh, regardless of the results of course the whole australia test series win is something that everyone is going to remember for their entire lives. but uh, it's it's the legacy again. and uh, to be fair i know i know he's just running towards the end of his legacy period and you know tough times are just round the corner for him in terms of captaincy but he's uh, definitely left an impression you name see Let's all say- 11 players and you don't see a single yeah, yeah i mean let's not be in the team. this time. no <laughs> let's let's see yeah it's got a bit of fun yeah. so so it it's it's got to be tough you know it he's is, there yeah. and you know he's having yeah yeah so australia is a very tough place to be
0: okay so uh, uh, sir now moving out
1: of sports era back uh, to the medical
0: field uh, sir do you think doctors should be allowed to be political especially on a public forum like twitter I mean, it's ironic that I'm asking, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, okay. honestly, one hundred percent because I have I have faced so much yes. of abuse online. <laughs>
1: so that's I, why I'm asking. I, see, the thing and the thing is that is exactly the reason why one has to be a part of the platform. It's not about just giving the uh, you know abuse. It's about dishing it out too. See, I know you know there are all the repercussions regarding the patient management, this and that. But I think that's a separate part of your job and I'm sure it's not going to affect you anytime. And as doctors, we know that. The thing is that social media space has been taken up by a certain lobby in such a way that if there is no counter to that, even it's crude. You know, you know what I'm talking about. That if there's no counter to that, then the whole lobby is going to go on and on and on about you know promulgating a similar kind of ideas. So cool. so people like you are absolutely necessary and I think, and see the thing is we are citizens, right? So we are allowed to have our views. And if a tailor, you know, or if say a businessman his business is not being affected by what he writes on social media, then why should yeah. it affect the way you work?
0: I don't know. I mean, so, people I tend to safe. have that kind of thinking. It really, it really set me thinking. I, I never had an idea that, you know, this kind of ideas can originate.
1: It, 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 it it, people keep talking that yeah, I mean any profession you take so, suppose a teacher is spewing shit about any particular community or caste does it mean that he is not going to teach that uh, that particular caste students no it's not going to happen no. right same thing for exactly. any profession a baker a farmer it's not that he is not going to give his crops to some particular community guy this and that so I don't think that really should matter. And, and it's absolutely necessary on the other end to be on social media freely expressing our views so that the other the lobby has a counter. To be and by our end here, I mean it could be any side. I don't say that this <laughs> thing is right, this thing is wrong. That's a discussion for you know another time. But yeah, uh, it's, it's absolutely necessary. And I think doctors should not be exempt. from. I, I say that about sports persons too. When they keep their mum... About important issues facing the country and all. So, I am pissed off on them too. Why should a Sachin Tendulkar not tell about whatever issue is going on? Support or against, whatever. But he is a yes. citizen. He is a prominent voice. And I think that deserves to be heard.
0: He is also Rajya Sabha MP, actually, na, Sachin?
1: <laughs> Probably the worst Rajya Sabha MP ever in the history of Rajya Sabha. So, his statistics are unbelievable. Again, a man of statistics, I am. So, his stats are unbelievably poor. In terms of attendance, in terms of asking questions, in terms of introducing bills, man, that True. guy was a disappointment. But mm-hmm. I mean, it's such in so we let him go.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's such in. Sir, uh, finally, can yeah. you uh, tell us about a patient experience uh, which is unforgettable or you left an imprint in your mind? Some uh, something like that can be from your residency, so, can be from your practice. Yeah. Any any patient that you remember.
1: So it is ironic that you asked me that I think I should be asking you that with your wonderful book coming out so <laughs> I mean you recounted some amazing experiences and you know I'll be reading that and you know taking cognizance of that but uh, yeah I mean, as oncologist in particular dealing with a morbid branch with a word cancer that has you know so many negative implications on the person and the public around it. We do tend to run across so many touching human stories that you know uh, some things just stay with us. So I'll tell you about one guy, uh, an operative case of total thyroidectomy. So he was a case of thyroid cancer, and we had operated him. I had operated him, and uh, suddenly, uh, in spite of taking all precautions, suddenly when the patient woke up after surgery, he was whispering. He was literally whispering. And oh, yeah. I, I was shocked and stunned. It had never happened to me. And I've done like around 300, 400 thyroids all by myself. But it had never happened to me. But I instantly knew what it was. The nerve that was supplying the voice box had been damaged temporarily. Probably somehow. I don't know how it happened. But it must have been due to whatever reasons. And uh, on the day after the surgery, the patient had an episode of bleeding in the neck. For which the patient had to be taken for surgery again. Two days after the surgery, the patient started developing cramps in his hands. So all the possible complications of thyroidectomy that we read in the book, I saw in a young male patient who was 36 years old and he was a tuition teacher. So his entire life and livelihood was disrupted by what I saw. But I was confident that I had definitely not caused any long-term damage, so I kept reassuring him that uh, you know you will be fine you have to be fine there's no reason why you should not be fine now, normally I would think that every other patient would take a second opinion you know start abusing the doctor and he's done a terrible job with it but this guy surprisingly kept coming back to me every third day fourth. he would show me he would send me whatsapp messages saying that you know this is what I fed today I, 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 and I was frankly worried so I kept replying him on whatsapp also so one finally I get a call from his number that, uh, mm-hmm. and, and some lady was talking that uh, you know, sir, I think there is some good news happening around. I told what is it? Well, uh, this is me, so and so patient speaking. Oh, I thought, wait a minute, what happened to your voice? <laughs> you were whispering. Now you're talking like a lady. But at least that means that your voice is beginning to come back. I oh, said, uh, wow. Yes, well, let's see. And and two weeks after that he called me again and he was talking absolutely normally. And absolutely normally with his voice fully back and wow. totally back. And he was so thankful to me to, for having kept replying him and everything. He sent me a, a big bouquet of flowers, a big you know, packet of sweets and all. And he invited me for a Diwali dinner at his house. I was oh, wow. so that willing to go amazing. before the whole <laughs> Yeah. So it just told me a couple of things about myself and about the patient. One thing is you have to keep the faith, you know, that has left a lasting impression on I me. Mean, you have to keep the faith. Uh, that So I congratulate the patient for keeping the faith in me. And the second thing is I knew about myself. I care more than I think I do. Uh, there were many sleepless nights that I spent thinking just about the patient and how I potentially disrupted his you know, life and style and, you know, his speech and all. And a 36-year-old male at that. So yes, I was yes. really worried about that. So when I came out of it, I realized that you know I might put on this cool air about you know not really worrying about things and all, but I I care a lot more than I think I do. So we, we do we uh, do those buddy. are we do I I think all of us do. See the all thing is it. there are there are some people who are absolutely intense all the time, and they can't stop thinking about these things and and a lot of things. Uh, I used to consider myself to be not one of them. Right? you know, Once I go home, I switch off and this and that. Most of the days, I do manage to do that. But uh, there are certain things, when, especially when I have complicated a thing or the patient just has a very sad story to tell, it does affect me. And it does. That certainly. is a realization that I've had after 30, 31, 32 years of my life. So that's a priceless experience and I'll keep thanking the patient for it. For sure. oh,
0: that is really, really amazing story, sir. Great to
1: hear. Uh, <laughs>
0: So, Sir, um, so that is yeah. So uh, just, just to finish, uh, what would be your words for the budding doctors who want to be surgeons or uh, oncologists uh, in the future? Mm-hmm. So yeah. what is the one thing you would want to tell to them?
1: Since you asked me about surgeons and oncologists in particular, the one key word that they'll have to keep in mind is patients. That's the most important operative word that you can think of when you are trying to become a surgeon or an oncologist in particular. You are not going to have the big bugs coming your way immediately after you pass out. You are going to face a lot of frustrations. Even in your practice, when you have operated a case, amazingly, well, you will get to see a recurrence in six months' time. But you just cannot let it go. That's the thing. You know, the success comes after you have established yourself for five, seven, eight years. So, you know, I see a lot of juniors coming to me after they immediately pass and say, What is the salary that you should, we should expect? To be honest, if you really want to be successful, that is not a question you should ask first time. I mean, I know we have worked crazily hard for what we have done and we deserve a certain, you know, happiness in life and this and that, but it's a slow rise. It's still a very, very slow rise. So, I would suggest that once you get out of it, you will be trained pretty well if you are in a good center, like you particularly are, right? You are in a center that has got the best training facilities i can think of anywhere in the world probably. so in that sense we tend to expect right that once you get out i'll be earning so and so rupees so and so this and that but it doesn't come that easily at least for the first three years after practice try focusing on getting better at something like one thing okay. that's my advice even even as an oncologist even as a general surgeon you will have to give at least three more years of your life to become really good at something, then you'll be in a position to command, and the world will be yours for sure.
0: That so, is really some inspiring so, words for me also, and also I, I no, hope for our, our listeners here. Yeah. Okay. It's just that
1: uh, the first question that you get out should not be what money I'll get. That's the one advice
0: no, sir. That I would give. No, sir. Very true. Okay, sir. It was uh, yeah. great talking to you, uh, got to know some really um, great gems. From both uh, your knowledge of surgery as well as of cricket. and uh, well, well, you I the right I think some, someday,
1: yes, someday I should return the compliment to you. You got a wealth of experience by yourself having, you know, worked at so many different places and, you know, everywhere else. Plus, you have an eye for keen observation. That's something that I've really seen. So, so I, I think we should return the favor someday and we should be interviewing you someday. Not an interview, sure, but sir. just a fun just <laughs> like this. So. So, I, I'm booking you for that. Once sure, I sir, anytime, like anytime,
0: anytime, <laughs> <That's> true. True.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, even at midnight, I'm ready, time.
0: sir. No problem.
1: Oh, i, I, I surely you are a resident buddy, you better be ready at midnight. <laughs> 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 so, no, that's okay. great, great. Great, it was a great time talking. Yeah,
0: okay, great. Thank you, sir. Thanks a lot.
1: Thank you, thank you. Okay, Bye-bye. bye bye.